0: The Business Beauty Network Virtual Summit. The virtual experience for beauty pros. Sponsored by QT Business Solutions. October the 25th through the 27th. We have 10 speakers, two panels, three nights. This is gonna be a phenomenal event. On the first night, we're going to learn how to start, grow, and fund our beauty businesses. We also have a Beauty Boss panel. And on the second night, we're going to learn product development. Learn what it takes to start your own beauty brand. And we also have a product development panel. And on the third night, we're going to learn how to attract celebrity clients. We have a total of 9 workshops, 10 speakers, two panels and three nights. This event is going to be phenomenal. We're going to do several raffle prizes and giveaways. We have a VIP swag bags, a few live demonstrations and so much more. You can get your tickets at bbnvs2020.eventbrite.com. I hope to see you there. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I had the pleasure in interviewing Marquetta Breslin. Marquetta was a delight to have on the podcast. We had a great conversation. I felt like we could have talked for days and she dropped so many gems and she has an interesting story that I think will be very inspirational for you. Known for her lace wig trainings, She's a master wig maker, licensed cosmetologist, an author, a speaker, a mother and a wife, and a phenomenal person, and I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. And here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor, and we have an awesome guest today, Marquetta Breslin. Welcome, Marquetta. Thank you so much, Brandy, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you today. So, Marquetta, I like to start off with like a fun fact. So tell us something about yourself that most people would not know.
1: <laughs> uh, let's see something about my So If I wasn't doing hair, I would have been a dancer. I took ballet for 13 years of my life. And ballet before hair was my first love. But well, I say that but then now I'm doing hair. But That was my second love. So if I wasn't doing
0: hair or wigs, I would be a dancer. Awesome. So you must have really loved to dance if you did it for 13 years, for sure. Yes, I loved it. I loved it. Ballet to
1: me was something so elegant. And what little girl didn't want to be dressed up in a tutu?
0: (laughs) Right. Did you get your daughter off into it when she was young?
1: No, I tried. She just wasn't feeling it. She's more of a, she liked to paint and do makeup and all that stuff so she
0: wasn't into it so oh well yeah yeah my daughter did ballet for a little while when she was like four but it was so funny because like when we would take her to the classes the parents would have to wait outside you know the Mm -hmm. room you couldn't go in there with the kids when they would be dancing so I didn't know the routines but we went every week for the rehearsals and they had their first recital and she was terrible (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she, she, was, she didn't know the only, they, the only move she know, knew was it was just jumping move that they did that was the only one she knew so that was so funny so I was like yeah I don't know maybe this isn't for her right, <laughs> right. <laughs> hey at least she tried it. Right. right absolutely well good <laughs> stuff good stuff so tell us a little bit about you and what you do um, so
1: I am a licensed cosmetologist. <laughs> I actually started officially in the beauty industry when I was active duty Air Force um, in the state of Virginia, where I was stationed. You could obtain a braiding license based on your previous experience. So that's how I obtained my first professional license in the beauty industry uh, back in, I believe it was '03 or 04. Um in langley at langley air force base in virginia and then uh i ended up going to get my full cosmetology license a couple of years later when we got stationed in charleston because for whatever reason they would not allow my braiding license to transfer over because of the regulations it was different states so they had different rules so i got my cosmetology license then but my journey with hair started when i was a little girl at six years old I used to, I taught myself how to braid hair on my Cabbage Patch doll, uh, took those little three strands of yarn and figured it out because my mom would not teach me. She said, if I teach you, you're not going to learn, but if you teach yourself, she said it would stick. So. I did, and I taught myself how to braid hair. And that was really when I fell in love with hair. Barbie dolls became mannequins and Cabbage Patch dolls became mannequins. And then when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to go to cosmetology school. But at that time, both of my parents were suffering from drug addiction and I had two younger brothers. So in high school, I had to make a decision. Do you want to pursue a career in hair, or do you want to go to college and get out and get a job and work? Well, I loved hair, but I did, could not name one stylist that I knew that only did hair successfully and didn't have to get a second or third job or whatever have you. So I didn't want that. So I figured that I would go and pursue something that was more stable i didn't realize what i know now that you could be very stable doing hair and it could be a very lucrative career if you do it right so i ended up going to college dropped out of college well i didn't drop out i failed out twice and ended up in the united states air force um served my country for nine and a half years Uh, That was when I met my husband in 2002. We got married in 2003. And we went into business together the day we got married. I've been, I had been taking clients since really, truly since basic training. And when they, a lot of them followed me to my first duty station after leaving tech school. And that was my side hustle. It was braiding hair. So when I met my husband, he was like, you have to do this full time for people. Like you can't you teach people or something and so I my personal preference at that time was to believe I wanted to bleed blue I wanted to retire from the Air Force that was my career that was my thing but he was so adamant about asking me to film these instructional videos for people so one day and this is after about a week or two of him asking me back to back to back I finally said yes because I thought that if I said yes it will push him off a little bit, <laughs> no, <enough laughs> and he will forget about it. Not Ricky Breslin, no. Uh, a day and a half, maybe two, three days later, he had a film producer sitting in our 600-square-foot apartment living room talking about uh, launching this thing this are uh, filming this first instructional dvd which ended up being learn how to do cornrows uh we filmed that dvd in our tiny tiny little kitchen um and everything kind of grew from there and then when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2006 uh we it was devastating my mom was my best friend her and my father ended up getting clean um they didn't stay together, but they ended up being really good friends, which made it easier for us kids. Of course, they had their ups and downs, but when she was diagnosed, that was so, one of the hardest things that we ever had to deal with. But she lost all of her hair due to chemotherapy, and I got tired of seeing her wear unflattering wigs. So I had already been dibbling and dabbling in teaching myself how to ventilate how to do like little things that had to do with wig making. And I ended up teaching myself how to ventilate. And then I said, mom, let me make you a wig. She goes, I already have wigs. And we went down that rabbit hole. I said, mom, just let me make you a wig. I promise you'll love it. So I made her her first lace wig. And when I saw how it completely shifted her paradigm, it changed her perception about what she was going through in that moment. I said, oh my gosh, if I can do, if a wig can do this for my mom, I wonder what it can do for other women as well. So then I started to to ask God, like, how can I scale this? Because I can't make all the wigs for everybody. I don't even want to do that. Right. And that is when he started downloading visions and dreams and um, strategies for me to come up with my own way of making lace wigs. So what I teach is non-traditional. You're not going to find what I teach in a book because that's not how I learned. And once the Lord downloaded all those things uh, into me, well, really he did it before I made my mom's wig, because that was the first one that the first true project that I, that I finished for her first wig. And after I did that, I said, okay, it took me a very long time to perfect everything and when I finally did, I developed the Lace Week training system and started teaching other people how to do this so that they can go and sew into the lives of other people. And then along the way, we, I launched a couple of books and we started Uh, Doing marketing stuff and all kinds of things to teach people how not to be chained to the chair. That is a big issue in our industry. A lot of people are chained to the chair and that's all they know. And we created products to teach people how not to be chained to the chair. And then here we are. <laughs>
0: awesome. Awesome. Well, you, it, you definitely had an awesome journey. So you started out braiding, like you said, in your home. And your husband saw something more than just you braiding people's hair. He like, look, we got to do some videos. So he then hired a whole crew <laughs> and got them over there. So tell us what that process was like, uh, teaching, braiding, doing the videos. What happened for you once you put the videos out there? What was the whole process like? the process
1: was tough it was hard because we did this back in 03 during a time where there was no there wasn't youtube there was no facebook there was no there was no online video training it was nothing like that if you bought anything at a hair show it would either have been a vhs but then we were transitioning over to dvd at that time so it was not it was a foreign process to me i had never taught anything i didn't know how to structure a course i didn't know how to structure um anything to teach somebody how to do what i was doing so in the beginning um the first dvd really was that first edit was 10 minutes i'm not kidding it was a 10 minute tutorial and i'm watching it i'm like gosh something's missing so my husband came in and he said well you're doing all these things And you're not breaking it down and teaching people how to do it. And I went, yes, I am. It's the whole point of the video. He said, no, you're putting on this rubber band and you're not telling me how to put on a rubber band. So I say, Ricky, everybody knows how to put on a rubber band. And he says, but I don't. And aha, there's my aha moment. So then I went back to the drawing board. And that is how I started being extremely descriptive and detailed with my instruction. So I went all the way back to the beginning and I methodically laid out each step. Once I did that, that DVD that was 10 minutes turned into, I think it was about an hour and 15 minutes. And that for me was breakthrough because I Develop my own strategy for being able to take a complex technique and break it down into layman's terms. So that was a process in and of itself. Um, The guy who came, it was one guy who came and filmed us and he didn't even have professional lighting. He had a light that he purchased from Lowe's and that thing was hot. I will never forget it. It was so hot. Um, But we did it. We did it. He edited the video. We used to burn those DVDs out of our apartment. My husband bought a DVD burner. So we would burn the DVDs ourselves. And then we would go on our lunch breaks in the military. We would take the, um, we would go and get the DVD covers printed at Office Max or somewhere like that. And then in the evenings we would come home and we would pack the DVDs and get them all together. Um, and then when we sold our first DVD, I'll never forget. Um, we sold that first product and we were blown away. We could not believe that we went from idea to fruition and somebody actually bought (laughs) something that we put out there. It was mind blowing to us. And then the feedback we got from her was amazing. She actually learned how to do the technique based on the way I taught. So then everything kind of grew from there. But it was um, it was weird at first having people like, ha- I'm in your living room on DVD. Like it, it, was, it was weird <laughs> for me to put that in my head, but I quickly understood that it was a step in their process in their hair journey for whatever reason, it was a step that was needed. So I'm glad I wasn't selfish. I'm glad I actually did it. So the process was long and trying, but once we figured it out, we were able to replicate it and produce other products.
0: Awesome awesome and and it's, I'm glad he told you like you know he didn't know how to put the rubber band because sometimes we think because things come so easy to us we're like oh that's nothing but it's nothing to you but to someone else who who may not be aware of the things that you do you know that they, they may not know all the steps that you take Or so that is awesome so so then you know I would how did you when you got into the whiz because I know you saw a need because you wanted to help your mother? Mm -hmm. And when you got into the wigs and you started creating the lace and all this, like, what was your process? Like, how did you learn? Did you do some research on it? Did you take any classes or what was your process in learning how to create your first wig? I wish I say this all the time.
1: I wish I had a me during that time because there was nothing there was. Yeah. Actually, let me take that back there were old, old books that I didn't even know existed until after I was already, I had already developed my own process. So I only had, um, let me see, maybe one or two books and these are classics, but I still didn't, I still in my mind couldn't put together the process because there were missing steps because I'm a very, by nature, I'm a very methodical person, and if one step is missing out of a thing that I'm reading, I, I don't, I don't understand it. So, there was a class in Chicago, um, uh, what was it? DePaul University, and it was a hair and it was a hair, basically, it was a facial hair workshop for one week. I thought I was going there to learn about wigs, but I just went there to learn um, about facial hair. So that's not a wig, (laughs) but I did, um, I was able to, because I could already ventilate before I got there, um, I made sure that my technique was on point, and the only thing I learned about wigs was... Uh, You have to make a bubble for it, which is the head mold and the different types of hair. There was no wig making steps in the process. So then I left there feeling even more lost. And I, I actually, I remember this. I prayed and said, God, if you wanted me to, like, if you wanted me to pursue this, how come you didn't show me the way to do it? He said, because I gave you, I'm giving you your own way and your own strategy. I don't want you to regurgitate what you've been reading out of books and teach it as your own i want you to do this different so then i just had to accept that and as i was going through the process some of the pieces were coming together oh i remember in the book it did say that you needed to do this and let's say it was creating a head mold um i learned later on that most of the people in Europe, because that's where wig making originated, over in, in Europe. That's where it started. And they use different a little bit of different materials than we use over here. So for a head mold, they call it bubble. Some people call it bubble. But for a head mold, they use clear cellophane tape. Well, to me, that didn't make sense. Because when I use clear tape. I could, it was too shiny. I couldn't see the, the holes in the lace against the tape. So I was like, well, I'm not gonna use that. I'm using the, the transparent tape, the tape that you wrap gifts and stuff with that has that opaque finish. You know what I'm talking about, the satin mm-hmm. finish? To me, that made so much sense because I can see the holes in the lace against this. So it would be little things like that that, that the Holy Spirit would download into me like, Mm-mm, try it this way or no, try it that way. And so that was how everything came together. It was truly trial and error. And there were a couple times where I just said, I'm not doing this. I am not, I don't want to do it. But the catalyst, the thing that pushed me over the edge was mom, when mom got diagnosed and lost her hair, that's when I picked up the ventilating needle again and said, okay, now I have to do this.
0: And so after you created this awesome unit for your mom and, you know, when did you start offering it as a service? Were you still doing hair at this time? You know, you were teaching braids. Now you're, you know, creating um, the wig for your mom. Like how did that process go?
1: It took me a long time because I didn't want to produce anything that I hadn't mastered. So I think a lot of people prematurely uh, put stuff out, especially when it comes to teaching. Maybe they'll learn something from someone, um, and then next week they want to do their own version of it. But you can't do that because you have to have time to make mistakes so that you can learn how to correct those mistakes. So you have to be very careful with that. So I was extremely careful with that because I I never wanted – someone to ask me a question about the thing that I'm teaching and I can't answer the question. Mm -hmm. So it took me a couple of years before I even sat down to say, Hey, let's put this on film because I needed to perfect that technique. Um, But yeah, so that process was very long, but needed and necessary too, because I was able to make so many mistakes That when other people I could anticipate the the mistake that they were going to make so I could tell them how to avoid it before they get there. So that was that was a long, long process, but I I had already told myself, there's no way that I'm going to put this out if I can't fully devote my time and attention and answering these questions.
0: Great, great. And I would absolutely agree with that because I've seen it many times, especially in the beauty industry where people will just jump on this thing and they see that there's money in teaching. And so it's like, okay, I just got my license last week. I've been doing here a year <laughs> or whatever. And then now I'm going to teach you how to do everything, you know? And it's like, no, not yeah. yet. You got to yeah. make some mistakes first. You got to, because it's
1: just, that's all part of your testimony, it's all part of the learning experience, and it's all part of what's gonna help somebody else. I always say that we all have some sort of a special gift that that God has particular people assigned to for us, for them to reach their destiny, and we might be that step in the process for them. So if we prematurely step out there and start teaching something when we're not all, all fully equipped, then that's going to mess up the process. So you have to be very careful with that. But you are so right. People look at the dollars, Mm -hmm. (laughs) They look at the dollars and then they just go chase the money instead of saying, hold up, let me make sure I'm equipped for this first. Because if you get yourself equipped first, the dollars are going to come and probably be two, three times more than what you thought it would be in the, in the first place, or two or three times more than when you pursued it prematurely. I agree with you 100%. Yeah,
0: because, like, um my background is in makeup. And I have been doing makeup for like, I would say 10 years before I even started teaching other people how to do it. And that was when I really saw a need for it. like, I saw things that I learned along the way, like you said, making many mistakes and falling down, getting back up. And then I'm like, okay, I can help somebody else. And then I started to realize that some of the things that I went through along the way and some of the failures I had to make was so that I could help somebody else. You know, it wasn't for about me or for me. It was so that I could share my mistakes with someone else and help them avoid the pitfalls that I had to make. So I think that's definitely, you know, a great point. And it's not to say that you can't get good at something at a short period of time and teach mm-hmm. it, but sometimes you do need to go through the process of learning and, right. you know, and, and getting your skill together before you just put it out there. Like you said, you never want to be in a position where you can't answer a question because you, you know, you don't have that experience yet. And so I think that is absolutely great. So now you shifted your business. I know most of your business is education. Like you do a lot of educating you and your husband together, educate online with your YouTube channel and all of the awesome things that you're doing. So let's kind of like talk about that, like what you got going on and what you're doing within your business now.
1: So right now um, my husband and I actually, we started this show during the pandemic a lot of people talk about how negative the pandemic has been uh, in business. And listen, it has been for a lot of businesses. I was <laughs> I was reading an article the other day, and um, I think 60% of the businesses on Yelp have closed, and they're not opening up again. And that's wow. devastating. Wow. But it has been positive for a lot of people as well. We are one of those people because we have all this, we've had for years, all this pent up knowledge. And- we create products and all of that stuff, but what about for the people who don't necessarily need a product? They just need a one question answer that'll take them over the edge and get them to where they're going in life. So we decided to do a live show. Um, And at first we were doing the show five days a week and we were sharing business advice, marketing strategies. It was inspirational, motivational, all that good stuff. And then when we decided to uh, refilm, and completely redo the Lace Week training system, we decided to go down to twice a week because we needed that time to uh, film in between those days. So now we do a, a show twice a week. It's called Marquetta Breslin Live. And just like I said earlier, we, and we do Q&A shows. We share marketing strategies, business advice. Uh, we It's it's an amazing amazing show. And I'm just glad that we're able to have a place that we can have some community and that we can talk about important topics. We've talked about race several times. We've talked about God. If anybody doesn't know, that's God is the love of my life. (laughs) And so we talk about, I mean, we talk about everything and it's a place where It's a positive environment and where people can get loved on, but also get a lot of knowledge um, and experience from Ricky and I. We've been doing this now for 17 years, being in business online for 17 years. That's very hard for a lot of people to do because you know as well as I do, business has changed tremendously just in 10 years. Look at where, look at how many video places video can be viewed at. It's on social media. There was not even a social media when we started, so we've had to always constantly reinvent, and yet still stay relevant. So that has been um, one of the things that has kept us just being who we are, is being able to be flexible. And I think being in the military taught us that too, is the being flexible and understanding that you cannot get tied to one thing. You have to be able to move and shift and uh, be just be flexible, be like Gumby. I say that all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting that you said that, not getting tied to one thing, because I I absolutely agree with that. You should have multiple streams of income. And I would say you have done just that. And so let's talk about like some of the ways that you created multiple streams in your business.
1: Sure. Yeah. I talk about that in my live events. Diversification is super important. That's the key. That's really, that's the secret. That's the key to success really in any in industry, but let's just say the beauty industry is the key to success. Your income should not just be coming from behind the chair. You can launch products. You can teach classes. You can do all kinds of things. So for us, We have our live events, that's one way that we generate income, Um, and I do those in multiple different ways. Normally, I have about six to ten live events a year, but, well, this year, let's just say I've only had one event that was in January, and I'm having another one in three weeks. So it's been, it's crazy for me, but that's one way, then I have my book sales. Um, and that's, those books are sold on Amazon and, um, audio books as well. Then we have, um, our courses. So the courses are available. Some of them are available 24 seven. Then we have our, our mentorship programs and different types of programs that we launch on certain times. Like the Lace Week Training System typically launches once, maybe twice a year, Uh, We have a huge course that we're working on right now that will launch next month um, called the Social Media Blueprint. That's going to be um, an incredible course that I'm really, really, really excited about. But that will be one of those things that we may pull off and launch it again or we may leave that 24-7. So those are some different streams. And then of course we're invested into other industries like the raw food industry. We own a website called regenerateyourlife.org. Um, and it's about how to juice and consume raw foods. If you don't want to consume cooked foods. So we're in multiple different industries. We're in the sports industry. We've got some clients over there. We do some consulting. We do, um, a little bit of everything. <laughs>
0: oh, it but
1: like it. I think it's important to note that we didn't start with all of this stuff because the last thing that you want to do is spread yourself too thin. We started just with stuff in the hair industry. And then as we got comfortable, we were able to shift focus for a certain period of time to either launch another business or, Uh, develop another product. And the biggest thing, I forgot this, the biggest thing that I'm the most excited about that we're going to launch very, very soon is my hair and wig line. I've been working on this for years now, and now we're in the final stages. And prayerfully, it will launch around January, February,
0: 2021. Awesome, awesome. So are you still behind the chair as well?
1: No, 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 no. I haven't been behind the chair since 2015,
0: I believe. Okay, okay, so you was able, so educating and doing all the many things you just mentioned, you were able to come from behind the chair completely. Yes,
1: and by it was not by choice. It was by force. The Holy, I was forced out. Um, that was something that was laid on our hearts for years. Like, you don't need to be behind the chair, but I thought, that, that was my destiny. I thought I was, that's what I was supposed to do. I didn't really know that it was teaching at the level that I'm teaching now. But then when mom's cancer came back in, I don't remember what year, but her cancer came back, when her cancer came back, my brothers were transitioning out of high school. One was a senior, one was a junior, and they weren't able to get her to her appointments. My mom's brothers and sisters all had jobs. So... I was the one since we were out of the military, since I was out of the military, sometimes I would have to drive all the way down to North Carolina from South Carolina, which is a four hour drive, take her to her appointment and drive back. So I was basically forced to shut down my salon because I had to take care of mom. And then we ended up moving her in with us, but that was the thing that put really pushed me into this teaching thing but so even though we did shut down the salon at that time we still had income from other areas that it, it, we didn't miss a beat
0: yeah and that's why that just goes back to why it's important to diversify and have the multiple streams for sure absolutely yes Awesome, awesome. So it sounds like you have so many great things. I'm super excited for you to have your own wig line coming out because I know you you teach how to create them. So now you have that. So that is awesome. That is awesome. So tell us what has been the biggest lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey.
1: Uh, There are so many. I would just say um, probably understanding that our timing is not God's timing, even in business. Um, there were things that, and probably still are, things that I would feel like, well, God, why, how come you showed me that this was this, and how come I, I'm not that not right there yet? Because it's not time yet, Mark Gordon. So understanding, I would say that understanding that, um, God's timing is not our timing and a big thing for me too was understanding that my business is my ministry and that took me a long time to realize I used to say a few years ago I just want to do ministry full time and that's what I want to do and then I got a revelation I was in prayer one morning he said don't you realize that you are doing ministry that's what this is so that, that's, a, that's a big lesson, but if, I, if you go tactical and say what is the biggest lesson tactically, if you um, don't talk about the spiritual side and the ministry side of things, I would say being flexible. Um, a lot of people don't realize, they wanna get stuck to one thing in one area. Let's just say um, I knew a young lady uh, years ago who was on a reality show. And when she was on this reality show, she built a, a huge following on Instagram. She launched a boutique a clothing boutique on Instagram and it was doing well. and she didn't get renewed for the next season. And so the whole time she's she's doing well. I'm telling her, you need to make sure that you're you're putting these people, this audience somewhere else. get them on an email list. Uh, do something because if you put all of your eggs in one basket at some point, because you, know, you we all know that we don't really own our content on these social media networks. They own it. But at some point, you could get hacked, you could get shut down with no warning, and they don't have to give you your stuff back or your account back. And she didn't listen to me. She didn't get renewed for the second season, and she went from making $20,000 a month to $20 a month. She had put all of her eggs in one basket. She wasn't flexible. She wasn't willing to diversify not even her income, but her traffic and diversify where her audience is at. Diversification works across the board in multiple different areas in business. So, That would be the biggest lesson I would say is be flexible and understand that you cannot be tied to one thing because Instagram might be popping today, but tomorrow it might be Twitter. And if you haven't nurtured that Twitter audience or if you don't have any, you have no knowledge because you put all of your eggs in the Instagram basket, then that could be detrimental to your business.
0: Yeah, I would think that's um, definitely, you know, a great point to make. And um, my husband told me that all the time. Like, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. So, <laughs> Smart man. Thing. Yours is too. So let's talk about husbands. Because I work with my husband too. Like, he edits the podcast for me. He does all my graphics. And we partner together. And um, so I want to ask you, what is it like working with your husband? Um. It's Well, I would
1: say it's amazing. Let me first say that. But it's also difficult. I mean, let's be real. Because sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes we, we don't see eye to eye on certain things. It could be a graphic or a picture or the title of a course or something. And you just have to, we actually did a show on this, how to not get divorced and be in business together. But you actually have to understand how to pick and choose those battles and when to fight for what you want versus just stepping back and saying, you know what, I'll take. I'll, we can do it your way. And so sometimes, well now, 17 years in, it's a lot easier than it was in the beginning because we have our own lanes. Ricky is, um, he manages all of the outsourcers and um, with the graphics and the websites and all of that stuff. And I do my thing with the creativity and the content and developing the courses. And sometimes we have to come together like last night and had to come together for graphics for um, the Lace Week Training System and the Lace Week Mentorship Program. And you just have to understand that, number one, you can't take everything personal, uh, separate business from marriage, business is business, and marriage is marriage, even though you know as well as I do, sometimes the two just merge together and you just can't help it. (laughs) I thank God for my husband Um, he does all of the things that I don't like to do. And I do all of the things he doesn't like to do because I enjoy those things and he enjoys those things. And I think as long as you work in your strengths, um, and you don't focus on your weaknesses in business, especially when it comes to working with a spouse, it can work. But when you try to step out of line and do what they're doing, and it's not your strong suit or your allowing them to work in the thing that you're gifted in the most, then that's when the problems arise. So you got to let go of those egos and say, okay, I'm not good at that. Do you want to do it? Yes. I'm great at that. Wonderful. Let's move on to the next thing. But sometimes, you know, in the beginning it was challenging. It was like, you know, sometimes I wanted to strangle my husband. (laughs) I'm sure he wanted to strangle me sometimes, but that's just, that's just, that's just real and understanding that um, you just have to decide that we're not going to make this an issue or decide we have a thing in our marriage called blanket. So if Ricky gives me blanket, then that means it's my decision. I'm not going to be judged on it and it can't be brought up later.
0: Same
1: thing it. for him we have that same thing in 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 the marriage not not just in business so the other day well we're going back and forth on deciding whether or not we want to um whether or not we want to it's a product that I I've been wanting to create for years now that he has not been bought in on and so finally about two days ago he said you know what I trust you I give you blankets so I was like, oh, finally. So whatever decision I make, it's my decision, and I'm not going to be judged on it. But I get to make the decision. That makes things so much easier.
0: I can see that making things easy for sure. Yeah. And like, I, I I totally get it because um, I launched uh, a mastermind program mm-hmm. right in the thick of uh, COVID. And when I first came up with the idea, well, it wasn't, I had been doing a mastermind, but it was just for entrepreneurs. But it was like, ding, ding, what about beauty people? Just beauty people, like why? I don't know why I didn't think about it, but it was like when uh, at the end of March, I was like, yes, let's just do this. And so when I told him, gave it all to him, he was like, you're gonna do what? I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do this and this and this, and we're gonna launch this program for beauty professionals and he was looking at me like i don't know about that but he was i would let you do you so that's kind of like the same blanket thing. but he he wasn't sure about it and he thought i was a little wacky but he was like let's just okay go ahead and you know when it took off he was like you know i'm proud of you you know so sometimes it's like that you they you won't always see each other's vision but sometimes just allowing each other to make a decision even though you might not see it is the best thing to do Absolutely. I agree. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me, how do you define success? Mm. Success
1: to me is defined by happiness. And I know that sounds so cliche because for me, let's just take me as an example. I feel like at this point in my life, we have reached a level of, of success um but there's always for us there's always another like now that we're here all right now we gotta get here and now we gotta get there right so been in business for 17 years we have all these products these books and all of that stuff and that's great for my brother success to him is exactly where he's at right now he has started his own company he is doing very very well um He probably has turned over six figures in his first year. And that's success to him. And he's happy and I'm happy in our success. So I feel like success is defined by happiness. If you're happy and you're – I don't ever feel like being content is a good thing. But if you're happy – because I feel like when you get content, you get complacent and there's no – there's no motivation to, to go further and stretch more and all of that. And I'm big on that. But if you're happy doing what you do, loving what you do and you wake up in the morning thinking about that thing, that's success. So everybody's level of success is different. That's why I equate success to happiness. If you're happy and you feel like you're walking in your purpose, that's success.
0: So no wrong answer there. So what's either like your favorite book or book you're currently reading now?
1: Uh, John Brevere is what I'm reading now. It's called uh, The Bait of Satan. And it's a book about offense.
0: <laughs> Spirit of offense. Awesome. Awesome. I can see that being bait. <laughs> For oh, sp- absolutely. I, I I have a weekly
1: prayer call and um, a couple a couple calls ago, I talked about this, about how offense, especially in business, I'm just going to talk about it in business because that's what this is. It's a business podcast. It's so, it's such a thing that seems like it's so minor, but it's so major because offense opens the door for unforgiveness and all kinds of other things to set in. And I mean offense from like when you have that person that's on Instagram or Facebook that's talking about you or your business. The first thing that people do is get offended and want to retaliate on that person when you have to take a step back and realize that, hold up, number one, it's probably not even about you. Yes, they type it about you, but it's about an insecurity within themselves. So why allow something that someone typed or said to get you upset to the point where you open up the door to become offended. Because when you get offended, you start having malice thoughts towards that person. You might in your brain be cussing them out. And now that 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 time that you're spending devoting your attention to this person who has offended you has now gotten you and uh, shifted your focus off of the thing that you are supposed to be doing. And then you sit there and you fester on it and you look at it and you think about, well, who else said it? And then you go down this rabbit hole trying to figure all of that stuff out and you have a fence in your heart and now you're, it opens up the door for so many other things to set in, which gets you off of the path of that you're supposed to be going on. So having and being able to release a fence to release That spirit of offense, uh, release that feeling is so important in business because you know as well as I do, it's very easy for somebody to uh, give you a bad business deal or spew off a little bit of negativity or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And you sit there, you think about it, did he just, did she, did that just, not me. And if you think about it, it's a little bit prideful to take offense to something if you think about it, because you're thinking in your mind, how dare they say that to me? Me? And and, and it's like, well, who, who are you? But there's scripture in the Bible where uh, Peter is asking uh, Jesus, he said, if my friend sins against me, how many times should I forgive them? Seven? And Jesus says, Seventy I think okay. seven times 70 or 70 mm-hmm. times seven. I know, you have yeah. to constantly be in a spirit of forgiveness, release it and let it go so that book is, is, is amazing I would suggest for anybody to read it it's uh, called The Fate of Satan by John Brevere it's an older book but very 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 relevant
0: I definitely have to check that one out definitely yeah. so how do you stay motivated? uh The grace of
1: God. (laughs) I have a morning routine that has worked for me for years. Um, I wake up. I used to go uh, into my prayer closet and pray in there, but I um, wake up and I go downstairs now. I go downstairs and literally get on my knees and fall into prayer. And then I do a little bit of Bible study and then I go on about my day. Um, And I know that that is directly tied to me staying motivated because I went through a season that I didn't do that. I, I went through a season where I would sleep in and I would wake up when I woke up and I would start working. And it was very easy for me to get unmotivated in that season of my life. So that's one of the ways that, that's the number one way that I stay motivated. And then the other things that keep me motivated are my students and hearing from the people who have, they don't even have to be a student that has gone through a course. It can be someone who watched a video that I did online and was like, oh my gosh, I watched that video and you said, it could have been, I said, my shoe is blue. And they say, you know what, Blue spoke to me that day. Okay, when you said Blue, that changed my, that's what keeps me motivated. That would be the second thing. And then, of course, um, my husband and I are still very passionate about what we do because we love people so much. That keeps us motivated. And those just understanding that it's not about Marquetta and Ricky. It's about the people that and, and the lives that we're touching. That keeps me more motivated than anything because I feel like if we were um, at a place where we're like, Yeah, this is this is good, but I'm good. I think that's a form of selfishness. Because there are lives that are uh, and destinies that are attached to something, our show or something we may say, and if we walk away from that now because we've reached a level of success, then I feel like that's a form of selfishness to walk away when there are people who can still benefit and learn from whatever God lays on our heart to share. So yeah. that's, yeah, those are the things that keep me motivated.
0: I think it's great. I love the way you guys, um, share so openly about, you know, the business side of the beauty industry. And you also bring other, beauty experts in that are doing great things. And I see you brought a girl on like she was newer in her, she had had some success, but she was what you would say was newer in her industry. And, but you just, you brought someone like that on to have a conversation about what she's doing in business and ask her questions and things like that. And I love that because you you use your platform to shine a light on other people and you also use it to help and reach back to those who are maybe trying to get into the beauty industry. Or maybe they're looking to add multiple streams. Maybe they're doing hair and they're looking like, okay, now we know that we can be forced from behind the chair due to COVID. Like, you know, that has never happened before <laughs> in my lifetime, you know? <laughs> And so now that we know that we can be forced from behind, more and more people are thinking about like, okay, I need to figure out other ways to make money. And it's industry. Absolutely. I think the biggest
1: thing with um, with our show and the way we roll is that, and I posted a video about this a couple weeks ago, is that you can't look at other people in the industry as your competition. You have to understand, and especially us coming from... Um, the position that we're coming from right so people would people would say oh my gosh why would you why would you bring somebody on that does exactly what you do or why would you why would you even go there and and here's how we look at things what's for me is for me what's for you is for you so to to look at things like that and say you know what they don't have Maybe they don't have a big platform. And if we put them here and show people that you don't have to be all the way over here in order for you to be highlighted, but it helps people to put themselves in the position of that individual so that they can say, well, if she did it, then I can do it too.
0: Awesome. I love that. I think that is uh, absolutely awesome. So what, what would be, what is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, keep God first. I love it. <laughs> uh, what's the worst advice you received? Uh, oh, the
1: worst advice would be the polar opposite. Never talk about God in business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause you talk about God a lot and I can tell you like, um, I went back and forth with that. Like I free- I freely talk about God now, but I went back and forth with that because I didn't know, like I didn't want people to. Uh think I was too churchy or too whatever but i'm 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 over that now, but I want you to like address that little because you do talk about you know you you openly talk about your prayer cause and I see you put that on like your your page and your other stuff and and that is phenomenal you should pray, and I even have a shirt that says prayer is a part of my business plan it's one of my best selling t shirts mm-hmm. and I just want to talk about that and just just touch on it a little bit on you know how you're able to talk about God so freely in your business and feel comfortable. Some people say you don't do you don't do religion and politics in business.
1: So <clears throat> I um, for years was told that you do not talk about God in business, not at seminars or anything and once we once i started doing my i think it was my million dollar stylist live event um and i was at that event the whole point of that event is for me to pull back the curtain and literally show people how we did it and how they can implement the same things that we did into their business and a big part of that is was trusting god and allowed god to order our steps so I in the beginning struggled with that cuz I was like, well, I've always heard that you don't keep God in business, but God was a huge part of how we got here in business. So I can't take the very the very person, the God, I can't take God out because it was with God that we got here. So I just said, screw it. I'm just going to talk about it. And if people don't like it, then they just don't like it. Romans 1:16 for I am unashamed of the gospel. <laughs> So uh, that's when I started openly just talking about God at that event. And then um, I think a month or two after mom died, I had my very first five-day live event. And it was a five-day event about business, mentorship. I mean, it was, it was one of the most amazing events that I've ever had. And at that event, I'll never forget, it was the first day and it was lunch. We're about to go to lunch and I received a text message from my husband. And in that text text message, it was something along the lines of um, you know, God spoke to him when he was in the shower and said, You're you're gonna be praying for people, laying hands on people, and people are gonna be healed and set free and delivered. And in my mind, I'm like, uh no, that's not what we're gonna be doing. I'm gonna just but I went there for a split second and then I said, Okay, I have to be obedient and that at that moment that totally shifted everything for me because exactly what god spoke to my husband and said is exactly what happened at that event people received deliverance people were healed people got set free it was amazing and so it was after that that i started offering prayer at my live events as an option of course no one has to attend Um, so after the first day of the event, I make that announcement. Hey, if anybody needs prayer or anything, it's optional. You can stay behind. And once I started doing that, the lines started getting longer. And um, now I still still offer prayer for anybody who, who wants to pray at, after the event. Um, we've been in lines for up to four hours praying for people. Um, at my events at Sunset Station, I think the last time we had prayer, or the time before the last, the, they had to shut down the room, so we were in the middle of the slot machines, still with a line of people, some that were just in the casino that just needed prayer at that moment. Um, and so that's just, that's how it started, and now I understand that that is, that is literally my ministry. So people will think they're coming for one thing, but God has another plan for them, and that's not the case for everybody because every, not, they may not—that's not—may not be what they need in that moment. But I just have to be obedient and open up that door when God tells me to, or if if, if it happened on I did a lockdown reboot class, and on the last day of the class, um, I opened up for prayer, and those who wanted to stay could stay. And those who didn't could go, and um, I ended up leading about forty people to Christ on that prayer at the at the end of that prayer. So I just literally walk by faith, and if God says do it, I have to do it because I don't want to. I don't want to be like Saul. I don't want to be rejected.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, thank you for being obedient to the call. You know, because I know it take. You know, many people wouldn't even be brave enough to do that, and I. And that's what I love, you know, that you are open about, uh, you know, your relationship with God and, and for the importance of prayer. And you bring that in because your business is your ministry and you're helping people not just build uh, beauty brands, but you're also helping them. You know, through prayer and, you know, bringing them closer to God and and showing, letting your light shine. So I commend you for that and your husband. You you guys are doing a phenomenal job. So, yeah, it's been absolutely great having you on. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we go? Keep God first. (laughs) I love
1: it. Keep God first. And listen, and in the midst of this pandemic, just breathe and understand that, listen, a lot of businesses have been birthed from this pandemic. So I always say, uh, keep God first, breathe through the pandemic and um, be flexible. But to keep, you know, yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. (laughs) I'm gonna say that. But um, for anybody who wants to follow me or have more information or anything, they can always find, All of that information on my website, MarquetteBreson.com.
0: Awesome. I'll leave all of your information on how they can follow you in the show notes. Make sure you check her out, everybody. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Taylor and Facebook at I am Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.